Good morning, Journey. How are you? Great. Good to see you all this morning. As, as usual, we, we kind of filter in. Mark and I were deciding we may move worship into the green room earlier this morning because there were only two or three here. I think the Elias family were the only ones in here. When I was in here, I thought, well, I don't know if I want to preach just to them, but <laughs> although they may need it, I know Jack may need it this morning. Cindy would not, but Jack would, right? Look, Cindy, don't say amen. We're talking about love today. You're not supposed to do that to your husband right now. We are talking about love this morning. I love, I love the video. What? Kidmo. Oh, yeah, the Kidmo. For the love of Kidmo. For the love of all things good. Kidmo, you're dismissed. That just relieves some parents greatly, I can tell. Yeah, I don't ever think about Kidmo when I'm up here because I'm usually over there making sure they go down the hallway or I'm in there teaching. So uh, uh, if you're not familiar with Kidmo, that is our uh, second grade through fifth grade group. And we have a unique environment set up for them over there where they learn things on their level. It's not a babysitting service. It's a, it's a great way that we get down and teach on their level. And, and I would encourage you, if you have kids, to let them go in there. But good to have you guys here this morning. We are in a series about love. What do you guys think of when you, somebody says love? Anything? Boyfriend? Girlfriend? Heart? All those things come up? Yeah, this morning I am, I'm going to be very guilty, and this is going to haunt me forever. Why did the guy have to talk about love and more than a feeling? I'm going to be singing Boston in my head all morning long. Now, some of you guys get that. Herman got it immediately, didn't you? That's going to be, I'm going to be thinking that. All, but is love more than a feeling? It is something more than a feeling, especially when we, we look at what God's love for us is. Everything in this series that we're going to talk about should be framed around God's love and what that means in our lives. And everything in the life of a Christ follower should revolve around loving God and loving people. Now, what does that mean? Have y'all ever heard that phrase before, loving God and loving people? How many of you, how many of you heard that? Raise your hand. If you haven't heard that, we're not doing a good job here because that is our, our motto, our phrase, our slogan for Journey Church is to love God and love people. So that is the foundation of this church. That's the thing that we, we preach on often. We want you to know is that we should love God and we should love people. And there is a correlation between those two terms, those two acts of loving God and loving people. And I hope to bring that out this morning. This morning we'll be focusing mainly on the loving God portion of this. But we'll also talk at the very end to set up some future sermons in this series about what it means to love people as well. Now, why should we love God? That may be a kind of a crazy question for people who are Christians, but why should we love God? Why do you love God? Somebody have an answer for that? Why do you love God? Because he loved us. Exactly. That is the answer I was looking for. We should love God because of his faithful love for us. How many of you think God loves you? Yeah, God loves us. His love is faithful for us. Psalm 117 says, Praise the Lord, all nations. Glorify him, all peoples, for his faithful love to us is great. The Lord's faithfulness endures forever. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad that God doesn't have a, a temporary love that comes and goes depending on how we act? God loves us no matter what. Now, he may discipline us for things we do, but no matter what, God is faithful to love us. To me, that's an encouragement, knowing that for all eternity, from the beginning of time, forever and ever, God is always going to love me. He's always going to love you. No matter what happens, God's love 
to us is faithful. He doesn't turn that love off when something doesn't go the way he planned for our life. We mess something up. He doesn't say all of a sudden, well, no, you're not in my love anymore. You're not covered. Now, sometimes our fellowship with him isn't as good as it should be. But he doesn't stop loving us because of the actions we do or the world around us or situations or anything. God is faithful to always, always, always love us. If you don't get anything out of this message this morning other than that, you should come away from here encouraged. Knowing no matter what, there is, maybe you don't feel there's another person on this planet loves you. God does. And that should give you a feeling of self-worth that God does love me. No matter what, God loves me for all eternity. Now, what else has God done for us? Not only does he love us, we should love God because of the sacrifice he gave for us. 1 John chapter 4 says, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is, the, is real love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. There's several key things in this verse I want us to look at piece by piece. Now, first of all, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son. God had one son, one and only son, and he sent him into this sinful world, knowing what was going to happen to him, yet he sent him anyway. Now, why did he send him? So that we might have eternal life through him. God sent his only son, and this is the gospel in a nutshell here, guys, so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God. Get that in your head straight. It's not, God's relationship with me is not dependent on how much I love him. It doesn't work like our earthly relationships do. God is going to love me the same amount no matter what is going on in my life, what I've done. It's not that I love God is the reason he did this for me. He did this for me because he loves me. He loves you. And that's something I think we get out of focus sometimes as Christians. We think that it's, that God's reaction to us is based on, on how much we love him. And that's not what this verse says. It says that it's because he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Again, God recognizes that we sin. God recognizes we mess up. God recognizes that we fall short of the goals that not only he sets in Scripture, even the ones we set for ourselves. We, we do things that we shouldn't do and we don't do the things we want to do paul talks about that in the new testament that things i know i should do i don't do and things i know i shouldn't do i do them anyway we can all relate to that because we're all imperfect people but because of that sin in our lives and get this thing straight about sin sin is not only what you do it's what you don't do that you should do does everybody understand that so often we we focus on this legalistic form of you know it's because you did this, God's going to punish you for your sin. It's some act that you did. Well, it's also just as much a sin not to do the things you're supposed to be doing. And we sometimes miss that, Mark. We, we think, you know, this is a unique conversation. And I remember Mark and I having this conversation with some guys around a table in Atlanta at a pastor's conference one time. The guy was from the West Coast. And one of the things that he couldn't quite figure out was we were talking about how difficult it was to convince people in the South that they were lost because everybody went to church. Everybody respected God. You know, they had this view of sin that wasn't really quite right even. You know, they looked at it, I haven't killed anyone. I haven't slept with another man's wife. I've obeyed these commandments. I do these things. So I'm good with God. 
Well, what about these things that God's also told you to do about having a relationship with Him, loving other people? We totally discount that. And we want people to see that. But he was from the West Coast. He said, well, everybody out here knows that. He said, they haven't been raised in church. They know what... I have no trouble convincing someone that they're a sinner in need of God because they know something's missing. They don't pretend that... They, they may also say that I don't want a relationship with God, but they don't pretend to have one. And so often, that sin in our lives, we overlook it. We don't recognize what it really is. We don't recognize that we're not loving God as we should because of His love for us. And that sin gets in our life. And that's the reason Jesus Christ came was to pay the price for those sins. Things we may not even sometimes realize we're committing, or sins of omission, as I call them, not doing the things that God would have us do. But we should do those things because God loved us so much to sacrifice for us. We should love God. Now, we've talked about just a couple of brief things about why we should love God. To me, that's the easy part. Scripture's really, really plain about that, why we should love God. You know, because He loved us first, and He sacrificed for us. Why is He not deserving of our love? But how should we love God? That to me is the much more complicated question is, in your day-to-day life as a follower of Christ, what does it look like to love God? You know, again, we, we have this view of it's, well, I keep all the rules. That's the things I do. You know, God says don't do these things and I don't do them. So I love God and that's, that's good enough. That's how I show how I love God. Those are good things. Nothing wrong with that. But there is really more to it than that. Let's look in Luke chapter 10. It says, And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test. Now I've had some, some of you guys that are in my small group realize I have had some recent activity with lawyers. I know how Jesus feels right here. It's like, let me ask you some questions and try and trick you into giving the answer I want you to give me, not the truth. There always, there's this, this trying to trick you into saying something. This lawyer stood up to put him to the test. Notice the, it doesn't say the lawyer was trying to get the truth. The lawyer was trying to do this. No, the lawyer was trying to put him to a test. He was trying to back Jesus into a situation where Jesus would say something the way the lawyer wanted it said, and he would get the reaction out of, of Jesus that he wanted. The lawyer asked him, says, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He's asking, what does it take to live forever? What does it take for me to go to heaven? What does it take for me to have eternal life? And Jesus said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? Jesus, is a, Jesus would have been the best lawyer ever because he turns around whatever they ask and asks them a question back. Well, how do you read it? You've read the, the scriptures that we've given you. How do you read those scriptures? What do you read into it? How would you answer the question? You're asking the question, what's your answer for it? You know, if you're asking this, you know, and the lawyer responded, as many of us do when we're in this situation. He didn't respond that, I'm not sure. He didn't respond. He said, based on my understanding, this is what I... Now, why would you ask a question you already knew the answer to? Or knew the answer you wanted to hear. And that's exactly what this fellow did. Is he asked, asked Jesus a question and he answered it himself with this. He says, you shall, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. Well, boy, that is a mouthful of how to love God. Look at that. You've got to love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. Okay? What does it look like to love God with all your heart, 
all your soul, all your strength, all your mind. Oh my goodness. That seems complicated, doesn't it? That seems like a lot. Jesus had answered him with this, you know, you've answered this correctly, now go do it. Well, thanks, Jesus. I just asked you a question. I answered myself, and he said, you know what to do, go do it. We could stop our sermon this morning, right here. You guys know what to do, go do it. I'll see you next Sunday. That work? What happens is we start questioning, do I want to do these things, even though I know I should? You know, how do I love God with all my heart? Does that mean your priorities, that God is first in your heart? Who's, who's first in your heart this morning? Most of us would say our spouse is high up on the list. And then by our activities, you would think that our jobs are very high on that list. You would think our country, for some people, is high on the list. And God just kind of fits in between some of those. Am I right? We kind of spread those apart a little bit. We'll wedge God in here right here. He fits right here. When God's supposed to be at the top of the list and everything else is supposed to follow him in our hearts. <coughs> Excuse me. So God is supposed to be first in our hearts. That's difficult because I think we don't know God well enough. We don't know how God's love in our hearts, the love for him that we should have. With our soul, to me the soul talks about our spirituality, our, the things within us, the, you know, what, what makes us up for all eternity, our spirit, so to speak. How do I love God with my soul? How do I love him with my strength? Means I've got to do everything with the strength of God in me, that, that power, the Holy Spirit living in me, in my mind. For me, the mind is probably one of the hardest ones. How many of you have a lot of time during the week to sit and just daydream? I don't. So how in the world can I love God with all of my mind when I don't have enough mind to go around right now? How many of y'all struggle with that? Y'all think uh, you got it all covered and everything? I sit at work every day dreading the phone call. I do IT support work and networking and all that for a living. I dread the call of, hey, can you come look at my computer? Oh, no. What is that going to be? There is no telling. And you guys that have had to to be the one relying on somebody to come fix this for us, you're thinking, well, just get over here and fix it. And then you start asking the questions of, well, what happened right before this? I don't know. Did you click on anything? No, I didn't click on anything. Well, then why does this screen over here show that you clicked on that? I don't know. You know, I dread those calls. Those are the things that occupy my mind all day, and I'm thinking ahead. What has happened? What am I going to have to do to fix this? You know, what is going to happen there? You know, your family. Does your family occupy your mind at times? What am I going to do? You know, somebody in my family's sick. How are we going to take care of this? I'm sure Nikki and Josh this morning, you know, they ask us to pray for Luba, but I'm sure in their minds they're thinking, what's going to happen with Luba? How's she going to get better? What are they going to do? What is this going to look like? How's this going to impact our family? Those things are going through their mind. You know, I'm looking, you know, how am I going to make payments on my house? What is my job situation going to be? There are so many things that go through our mind. Where does God fit into that? Do you have time for God? You know, do we have time to do the things that we want to do? I think all these things that this is talking about, loving God with your heart, with your soul, with your strength, with all your mind, I think the answer for me is that our love for God should frame everything we do. 
I think that's what God is talking about here. Those situations that we get in at work, the situation with our family, our relationships, whatever they may be, that we take the mindset, the mind of Christ, and apply it against the situation. Does that make sense to you guys? Because I don't think, I think God realizes during the day, I can't be sitting here memorizing scripture while I'm trying to fix your mouse. Right? I mean, do you think God thinks that with all my mind that I'm sorry, I'm praying and meditating. I'll get back to you when I'm through. Does that work at your job? I don't think that works for anybody's job. Yes, I know you're an angry customer, but right now I'm praying over Psalm 117. Yes, yes, please, please go away and come back when I'm through. Do you think God expects that of all our mind and our heart and soul strength? That's how we do it? No, but I think what God wants us to do is think about, remember the old what would Jesus do bracelets? I still think that's a good idea. What would Jesus do in this situation? Okay, somebody needs help with a computer. I have to go through my mind. It takes a little process for a minute thinking. Okay, there's a couple of things that have happened. This is a random occurrence of broken technology, which happens quite frequently. Okay, the other possibility is this user did something really stupid and is not going to admit it to me, but I'm going to have to fix it anyway. So, which one of those, when I go into somebody's office, do you think prepares me better to deal with them in a Christ-like manner? Hey, something just happened. I don't know what it was. I'm just going to fix it. Or go in and think, what did you do? Did you ever get that, that one from your mom or dad? What did you do? Now, do you automatically feel the love of Christ in that sentence? No, I don't. You know, what did you do? David's over here laughing. How many times did you say that to Braden this morning? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. What did you do? Yeah. When your kids come out of kid mode, the first thing is, did they act all right? What did you do? It puts you on the defensive, doesn't it? So for me to have the mind of Christ, to, 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 to love God with all my mind, I have to put my feelings aside sometimes. That somebody has caused me a problem, is causing me to have to do double work, is causing problems for me, because either they don't understand, they made a mistake and aren't willing to admit to it, or they just don't care. Some people don't care. They don't care how it inconveniences someone else. You know, if I've messed up something, it would kill me to lie to somebody about it and know that I'm inconveniencing them. I'm lying about it. I'm harming them in a way. Do you think that's what Jesus would want us to do? If, we're, if everything we do is framed in our love for him? I think that I think we miss the boat sometimes, guys, in, in thinking about our daily situations. You know, Karen, will, and I'll, I know this won't embarrass her because she'll tell you herself. How many of you go down the road listening to praise and worship music? Okay. How many of you, when somebody cuts, off, cuts you off, mutters under your breath, you stupid, stupid, and it goes right back to praise and worship music, right? Is that not the way it works? Karen will admit that I've seen it. I even posted on Facebook the other day. There's a new dash button you can get for your car, and it's got the little fish symbol on it. So when you do stu something stupid in traffic and like cut somebody off and they blow the horn, you hit that button and it flips the fish so they can't see you're a Christian. <laughs> see, then you can freely make gestures out the window. You can throw things at them. You can brake check them. You can do all those things because you've disappeared the fish and they don't know who you are. Do we not... Do we not act like that? We're all laughing because we've all done it, haven't we? We've been sitting there. We've had, we've had the mind of God. We're praising and worshiping Him. And then the next thing we know, something happens. To use the words of the church lady, who could it be that does that? Who could it be now? Could it be Satan? 
Some of you younger generation haven't seen that on Saturday Night Live. The church lady was this little old lady that everything that came up, she knew who was behind it. It was Satan. It was our enemy. Now, do I say that every bad driver in Chattanooga is because of Satan? Surely to goodness not, because everybody's going to hell if that's the fact. Because there are so many bad drivers when you go to work every day. It's like, how do you people even, how do you people function in an automobile going to work? But do you think on occasions that Satan would like to steal our joy, would like to keep us from worshiping, and would create a circumstance or a lot just to see if he can get under our skin? If you don't believe that, you don't know nothing about our adversary. Because he will do that to you. Now, is everything that? No. When you don't pay attention and somebody's in your blind spot and you cut them off and they blow the horn at you and you both get mad at each other, that wasn't the devil doing that. That was you not paying attention. Okay? There's a difference in these things. And sometimes we take it too far and we blame everything on Satan when it's our own actions that's causing it. But again, getting back to that everything you do being framed with the love of God. Now, here's something else we do with God, and this is particularly in a, cult, a church culture. And I only speak from church culture here in, in the southeast because that's where I grew up. But one thing we do is we respect God, but that doesn't mean we have a true relationship with Him. How many of you were raised in a church environment where it said, you need to respect God, you need to... And we carried that so far. You need to respect God's house, right? This is God's house. No, this is an auditorium we rent every month. This is not God's house. God's house is the church and the people that make it up, okay? But we went so far as to even make rules about God's house because we needed so much respect for him. Men, you cannot wear a hat in church. You can't cover your head. Even though in the Old Testament it talks about going in with your head covered. We, we won't get into all that because that doesn't make any sense, does it? But you can't do that. Ladies... You are supposed to wear your best dress this morning. How many of you have a dress on this morning? I haven't seen much of that. Guys, I'm not going to ask you because that's embarrassing. <laughs> but, you know, when we do these things, we set up this respect for God and we create almost a false God in our lives. We create a God who we respect, but we don't think loves us and we don't love Him. And that's a problem in our relationship with God when, when we, we don't... We have nothing but respect for them. You can respect someone without loving them, but you can't love someone without respecting them. Y'all agree with that one? It's, you can respect someone and not love them. You can respect authority. Let's go back to our traffic incident. When you've done something so stupid, it, it draws the attention of the nice officer sitting in the median. Karen's question to me immediately this morning going to church is, how fast are you going? That was because there was a Hampton County Sheriff sitting in the median. That was a good question. So, you know, do I respect that authority? Yes, because he can give me a ticket. I respect it. Do I love him? No, I don't think so. How many of you ever, you know, how many of y'all have ever been pulled over and your first thought was, I love this officer? <laughs> I so much love him. He is, he's doing his job so well this morning. I could, have, I could have hurt myself or someone else. Oh, I love you, sir. Can, can, can I just get out of the car and give you a hug? I don't think anybody reacts like that unless, unless, you know, you just have some kind of thing for police officers. I don't think you do that. Oh, I just love you. Thank you so much. No, but you respect him. If our relationship with God is the same way, do you think it's right? If we're only looking to see if God's going to bust us for doing something wrong, we respect God because we know that he's all-powerful and he can punish us. 
Does that sound like a loving relationship? That is one of the hardest things for me as a teacher to try and bring out of Scripture is when I talk about God the Father, because some of you had an earthly father who you only respected and didn't love. And I know that happens. We say we love our parents, but you know, what do you do to a parent that abuses you, that hits you, molests you, those type things that we, we have people right here in our midst that have gone through childhoods. They were absolutely horrible because they had a father that didn't love them and they didn't know how to love him back. How do you love God the Father? Because the only image you have seen is of an earthly father who didn't live up to the standards he should have. But you respected him because what would happen? Something bad would happen to you if you didn't do what he said. And I'm so afraid that in our Christian society, we think that about God. We think that we need to obey God because if I don't obey him, something bad's going to happen to me. If I don't respect him, something's going to happen in my life. God's going to either give me a disease or he's going to ruin me financially or he's going to take my children or my parents away from me. God is going to come down and punish me because I didn't have the right respect for him. I didn't go do the things he told me to do. No, that's not what it's about. And that's the reason I want you to get this, this thing straight in the relationship with God. It's just like your relationships here on earth. When you love someone, you respect them because you love them. You do things that they would have you do. You, have, you do things you know that would please them. You do things that make and strengthen that relationship, not because of the respect in the relationship. You do it because of the love in the relationship. And that's a very hard standard to hold up to, you know. This morning, I'm going to set forth some things that I don't do yet completely. And I'll just be honest with you. I don't always love God just like I should. I'm not perfect. I don't love my wife like I should. She is here this morning. She will tell you freely, I'm not 100% perfect. I'm praying that her attitude and things about that change. But, you know, that's, I don't think it's going to happen, guys. She knows me too well. She knows I'm not perfect. She's going she's to do those things. But, you know, those people that we love, you treat them differently than those you just respect. You know, with somebody we only respect, we only treat them the way we want to treat them because we're going to get something back out of it, right? I'm going to respect God. I'm going to be on my P's and Q's. I'm going to go to church on Sunday morning. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm not going to sleep with somebody else's wife. I'm not going to commit murder. I'm not going to steal anything, because I respect God, and if I do those things, he's going to do something bad back to me. It's no kind of relationship to have with God. It's no kind of way to show that you love him. You know, we, we do this just to see what we can get back from him. And I will guarantee you, and this is fresh on my mind because of the situation with Luba this morning and praying for her, it changes your attitude towards God when you need something from him. And I'm not saying that Josh and Nikki, I know them. I know them as a family. I know they love God, and I know they have a great relationship with God. But this morning, do you not think that that relationship is just up a little notch because they're really having to lean on God this morning? I know it is. We all do that, and there's nothing wrong with that. But the problem is, instead of coming through that crisis, coming through that situation, and knowing and learning how to love God and how much He loves us, what happens to so many of us is after the crisis is over, our love for God starts to diminish. It starts to go slowly down. It gets cooler and cooler. And we're no longer close to Him because we're not wanting something from Him. Our earthly relationships work the, the same way. How many of you married guys have ever had your wife ask, 
Why are you being so nice all of a sudden? What have you done? What do you want? How many of y'all have experienced that one? Yes, absolutely. What have you done? What have you spent? What have you bought? Why, why are you doing that? You don't do that. You know, people, you know, people have different relationships. We all have different relationships with our wives. I am not going to go and randomly bring my wife flowers because I will face days of what have you done and why did you do that? There is something wrong here. Why, why are you bringing me flowers? You don't ever do that. What, what's up with that? So, you know, you totally ruin the, the moment by doing that. See, I would do that more often. That would be Karen's fault for not, you know, recognizing my love and why I'm doing that. You know, see, I'm going to be in so much trouble today, aren't I? But no, seriously, guys, we do that. That's what we do in our relationships. We try and butter up our spouse. So, you know, I really saw something new car, you know, I'd, I'd really like to upgrade my car. I would love to do that. Now, I, I think it would be just so great, you know, and, and, and you look so pretty today. Do we do that? Do we do that kind of nonsense? Yes, we all do that. And wives, you do the same thing. We have fractured relationships here on earth just like we do with our Heavenly Father because we're not acting out of love sometimes. We're acting out of what can I get out of this relationship. For, for one spouse or other, it may be security. It may be having somebody to take care of you. It may be having a home and things like that. Some people, it's a, purely a sexual relationship. They only want to have something to do with the other party because they enjoy having sex with them. There are things like that in our society, guys, that are broken. They're horribly broken. But we don't need to let that type of relationship influence our relationship with God. We don't need to go to God the same way we do our spouse, and we only go to Him when we want something from Him. We only are doing it because we respect him and we want to get something out of him. And if I respect him and I'm nice to him, hopefully he'll give me what I want. So how do we get around all of this? You know, in our relationships here on earth, how do we get around that? How do we, how do we truly love our spouses? I mean, how did you get to know your spouse when you were dating? How did you get to know them? Did you call them once every every month or so at random for an, and talk to them for a few minutes? Is that how you got to know them? No, no, absolutely not. Teenagers, if you're in a relationship, do you want to talk to your boyfriend or girlfriend during the week? Okay, that's the way it works, isn't it? You want to get to know the person you love by spending time with them, right? We need to do the same thing with God. And you'll never get to know God by spending only an hour per week with Him on Sunday morning. If that's the only time that you see God is in here on a Sunday morning for an hour, you're not going to get to know God. I can tell you everything that my poor mind can give you this morning that still has more than a feeling going through it because I'm singing and humming. You know, I've already told you I'm distracted easily. Oh, squirrel, you know. I can try and do, I can do everything I can do for you this morning and everything I can say. And while it may be good, may, it may impact your lives. While it may be important, if that is the only time you focus on God is till you hear the last song and you go out of here, you're not going to have a loving relationship with God because you can't get it done in an hour a week. It just doesn't work that way. If you want to get to know someone, you have to spend time with them. You have to spend time knowing what they like, what, what pleases them, right? Those of you that are in a good marriage, you know what pleases your spouse. You know the things you should and shouldn't do. And most of those aren't black and white. This is right or wrong in our relationship. It's things we shouldn't do. It's so much in our relationships is what makes that love work in the relationship. I joke about getting care and flowers she doesn't care about flowers she's told me 
we're very practical people. She doesn't want me to spend all of our money on some flowers on Valentine's Day because the, the day on the calendar says it's February 14th and you have to get them today. Does that make any difference to anybody? Is that not an unrealistic expectation? That you have to do it right now because the calendar says if you love me, you'll do something for me right here on this day. It's not the way a loving relationship works. I find out what Karen wants and I do the things that she likes to do. One of the things she likes to do is not spend money on frivolous things. Trust me, I know this well. It applies to me, her, everybody. We don't spend money on necessarily frivolous things. We don't eat out a lot because we don't enjoy spending the money. We do sometimes. We enjoy it on occasions. We'll probably eat out after church day just so we don't have to come go home and cook for ourselves. But that's not what makes shows Karen how much I love her. It's not because I take her out to, to dinner somewhere. That's fine. If she wants to go, that's nice. We'll go for our birthday. You know, sometimes we don't even want to go to our birthdays. How many of y'all think your birthday's a hassle? I've got one coming up. Y'all don't, don't, don't want to, I don't care if you take me out, just send checks and gift cards. That's fine. It's less hassle. I know it's easier on you. You can go through the, you can go through Food City, Walgreens, anywhere you can get a gift card. They've gone for Bass Pro Shop. They've got, they've got anything you'd want there. Just send me a gift card because going out for my birthday is not something I really enjoy. We went out last year. Let's see. We took mom and dad. Everybody wanted to go out. So we go out to Udawal to the Western Sizzling. You can tell I have highfalutin taste. We went to the Western Sizzling. Ruth Chris was too crowded and had, you know, a bit of a wait. So we just chose Western Sizzling over that. Yeah. We decided, you know, this, we can do that. You know, I can get the buffet if I want. I'll even eat ice cream probably it's my birthday you know i'll get some ice cream and a piece of cake i was worn out my birthday was on a monday i was already worn out from work we went out we drive back through a thunderstorm to go eat a piece of meat in Ottawa. you know I, that wasn't that big a deal to me guys that i was glad that everybody cared and asked me what i wanted to do but sometimes doing nothing's okay too as long as i get a gift card but you know <laughs> Don't completely forget me. But no, seriously, guys, in our relationships, we have to learn what people like, what we love. And we do that by spending time with them. We're going to spend an eternity with God. I think it would be good while we're here that we learn to do that. You know, we, we're in, a, in an abusive relationship with God so often. We abuse our relationship with God by only giving ourselves to him when we're wanting an answer to prayer in return. We only have this relationship and spend time with God when we need something from him. Same thing I'm talking about in our earthly relationships. We only do something nice for our spouse or whatever because we want something from them in return. We want them to agree with us. We want something to do that. And we just confuse doing things for God with having a true relationship with God. We want to do things for God, but we really don't want to know his character. We don't want to love him with all our mind, all our hearts, all our soul, all our strength. We don't want to do all that. We just want to figure out enough to get by to keep him from being mad at us. And we do that by doing things for him. You know, we like doing things in our community because we're doing that with the mind of Christ in that frame set of this is what Jesus would do to help take care of some people in our community that can't take care of themselves. That is a fantastic attitude for helping widows harvest. That's a fantastic, you know, avenue for anything we do that um, room in the inn, preparing meals and stuff to help people that that just can't help themselves for some reason. And if you do that, do that because you want to show people that you love God and God loves them. That is a fantastic way to live your life. We're talking about um, helping with um, the gospel mission here locally. That's one of the things we want to branch out into is helping 
Uh, this is primarily a men's facility where they help men to get their lives back on track and do that by being a Christ-centered program that teaches them about God, how to have a love relationship with God, and how to function in society with that relationship. We want to be, get involved in that in the future. But if you're doing any of those things just to check them off your list of, oh, serve God, you're not doing it for the right reason. You know, if you want to serve, we're always needing volunteers to serve in ministries here. And some of you may think, well, yeah, some of this is practical. We have to have people to make things work, okay? We have to have offerings to pay the bills. There are practical aspects of running the church as an organization. But Mark and I aren't thrilled about the organization. We're thrilled about you as people coming to know God and love Him more. That's the reason we do what we do. I want you to serve in kids' ministry because you want to be able to impart to a younger generation from childhood on what it means to be in a loving relationship with God so that when they go out into the world that they'll, they'll be able to do these things. You know, God wants us to respect Him and love Him in that way. Here's what He says in the book of Hosea. He says, I want you to show love, not offer sacrifices. I want you to know me more than I want your burnt offerings. In other words, He says, I want your love more than I want you doing stuff for me. I don't want you doing stuff just for the sake of doing it because I've told you you should. I want you to do it out of your love for me. I want you to show that love. And not just because it's sacrifice. And we do. We sacrifice our time. We sacrifice our talents. We sacrifice our finances to serve God. Those are things we do have to do. But why do you do those things? Why do you serve in children's ministry? Why do you do this? You know, do, you, do you do it just because, well, nobody else is going to do it. I guess I'll have to. Sometimes we do have to fill in in roles. Sometimes there's people, there are things that come up and you may not want to do it exactly at that time. But as long as you're framing it with the context of, but this is important to God. This is important to the person I'm in a love relationship with. This is important to the creator of the universe that I do these things, that I show my love for him by showing my love for others. That's how you get a true love relationship with God. Do you trust him in those situations? If we love God, we'll trust God because he always does things that are in our best interest. How many of y'all believe that? That's easy to believe when things are going right, isn't it? When things are going good, God has my best interest at heart. When, praise the Lord, my, my new car home loan goes through, God is taking care of me. When it gets denied, God, why don't you love me anymore? Is that not the way we react? When, God, when things are going right in our lives, we show our love for God. When things aren't going right, it's like, why, God? Why are you not doing this for me? Why didn't you give me the thing I asked for? It's so many times we see later on why God doesn't, doesn't do the things that we ask for because he knows what's best for us. Sometimes we ask for things that aren't good for us. You know, I am amazed in relationships. How many people I have seen, oh, well, I know that this person was married when I fell in love with them, but God just laid it on my heart to have a peace about it. That's nonsense. God did not lay peace in your heart to have somebody else's spouse. That is making up stuff. That's not in the scriptures. That's not in God's nature. And you're doing that to comfort yourself because you're doing something wrong. And you, but you still want to be cool with God. It's not the way it works, folks. It's not the way it works when we trust God. When we trust God, we trust God that my relationship may be a bit rocky at the moment, but God's going to see us through this because we both love him. If you and your spouse don't both love God, it makes for a very awkward marriage. It makes things tough. It makes things hard on you. But if you both love God, you, you frame your marriage. Again, talking about framing everything we do with the mind of Christ. We frame our marriage with that mindset that 
God's going to see us through this because he put us together and he has a plan for us and he's going to take care of us. Listen to this in Matthew chapter 7. It says, you parents, if your children ask you for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask them? So, you know, how many of you people, when your child comes up and says, Mom, I'm hungry, can I have a sandwich? You go and put a rock on the table for them. It's not very loving, is it? Or they come up, you know, I'd really like to have a pet, a pet fish, and they go home and they find a rattlesnake on their pillow. That's, that's not showing a whole lot of love. Now, I know some of you kids would love to have a pet rattlesnake, okay? I know that's not necessarily the best example. The stone and bread is probably more relatable. But we don't give things to our, our kids knowing it's the opposite of what they want. Mom, Dad, I'd really like to have a new bicycle. And instead you give them a water pick. You know, do you do, just to be mean, here's your new water pick. Take that and enjoy it. You'll have healthy gums the rest of your life. That bicycle won't do you that much good. We don't do those things to our kids, do we? Because we love our kids. God doesn't do those things to us because he loves us. And if we trust him, God will show us the things that we need. You know, God knows us and knows what we need better than we know ourselves. I'm thankful for that. Sometimes I don't know what makes me happy. Do y'all have that problem? What makes you happy? Do you sometimes not exactly know what it is? We're going to have that battle, and I promise we will be out by noon. In 30 minutes, Karen and I will have this battle of me not knowing what makes me happy. Do you know, what, you know why that's going to be, don't you? Lunch, the dreaded thing in a marriage. Where are we going to eat? I, I saw this recent thing talking about relationships. It was a Facebook video, and the couple are there, and they're cold towards each other, and they're just kind of grunting like, rrr, rrr. He's like, she says, he said, what did I do, honey? You know what you did. Of course, the guy never knows what he did. I'm telling you, he doesn't have any idea. What did I do? You know what you did. She says, it wasn't so much what you did. It's the way you ask. He's like, I don't know. He said, okay, honey, let's both calm down. I'm going to approach this differently, he says. I want to say this question in a loving way. I know I may have hurt you the way I said it before, but where would you like to go for lunch? <laughs> I mean, that, that's, we do that, do we not, in our relationships? You know, how, how do I do these things? How do I get to know? Sometimes I don't know what makes me happy. I don't know where I want to eat lunch. I can tell you what I don't want to do, but I can't tell you what I want to do. Y'all have that problem? I, can tell, I do not want to go home and have a peanut butter sandwich like I eat every day during the week. I don't want to do that. That's clear. Where do you want to go? I don't know. Where do you want to go? It doesn't matter. Y'all all face that. And it sounds silly, but it is, is an example of us not, not even knowing what pleases us. Yet God knows. Now, I somehow, you know, I hope that my love relationship with God is good enough that he's going to reveal to us at noon today where we're going to eat. I don't know if that's going to happen or not. If there could be any miracle ever came out of a sermon, we would walk out the door and it would just, all of a sudden, there would be like this billboard in the parking lot that says, you're going to eat here for lunch. And we would go, and, and we'd go, and then we'd have bad service, and I'd have to talk about all those things about my attitude changing in my mind again, because I'd have to treat the server right that's treating us badly. I mean, that's just the way life is. You know, we, but sometimes we don't know ourselves what we want. But God tells us in Jeremiah 1, he says, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. This is talking to Jeremiah specifically. What he is talking about there 
God is saying, I had a love relationship with you before you were even born. Before you were even born, I loved you. I know who you are. I know who you're going to be. I know absolutely everything about you. And I know everything you're going to need. And I'm going to take care of you in this love relationship. That's what God does for us. I can't imagine that. It's hard to imagine because none of us here on earth ever know our spouses or our parents or children or anybody well enough that we can say that without a doubt, that I know what's best for you. Now, sometimes we know what's best because of life experience. We do know that. But oftentimes, I can't tell you what to do. I can't tell you what to... One of the things in our small group lately, we had, a, had one member of our small group was trying to decide which job to take. I don't have any wisdom on that. It's like, I don't know, this one, this one. It's like one of those things... Just going to trust God. No matter which way I go, God's going to take care of me anyway, so it's not that big a decision. And the decision worked out okay. But, you know, we, we, we just need to figure out how to trust God in our lives that he has our best interest at heart. And we don't do that. We certainly don't do that. You know, God wants us to serve. God, I can't serve. God, I can't sing on the worship team. I, I just, I can't, I'm not comfortable in front of people. Sure you can. We have people coming more and more. Josh is building a team. Those people, they're like family, man. They love each other. They love being here, and they love God, and they love doing what they do here on this, on this stage of worshiping God on Sunday mornings. Yeah, you can do it. God will give you the strength to do it. You know, none of us are perfect. It's, it doesn't matter whether we're perfect or not in what we're doing. It matters that God knows he's got a plan for you. He's got a purpose for you. He he purposed you before you were born to do some things that he is going to see you through doing them. Now, if we truly have a love God relationship with God, what will it look like in our daily lives? If we're really getting into this love relationship, if we're getting this right, how's it going to look? I think that's a good practical thing. I always like for us to have some practicality on Sunday mornings of this is great. Okay, I'm inspired this week. I'm going to try and get in a better love relationship with God. I'm going to try and figure out how I can better communicate with him, how I can better figure out what he wants me to do, and for me just to love him because of who he is, because of the sacrifices he made for me, because he loves me without fail. I need to figure out how I'm going to love God. But what's the practical side of that? How am I going to do that? Look at 1 John chapter 2. It says, this is, this is how... We are sure that we have come to know him by keeping his commands. The one who says, I have come to know him, yet doesn't keep his commands, is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly in him, the love of God is perfected. That is how we know we are in him. The one who says he remains in him should walk just as he walked. And the thing I want you to focus on in this, this particular scripture is the very last phrase in it. The one who says he remains in him, knowing God, should walk just as he walked. Okay? We don't have a lot of evidence of how God walked on the earth, do we? We see, we heard that he walked with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Remember that story? We heard that he walked there. Uh, last weekend, some of you may have, have caught the classic movie, The Ten Commandments. He walked with Moses, didn't he? He walked down scared him to death, made his hair turn white when he gave him the commandments. That's a way that God walked with him. But we don't have that many examples of God coming down and making contact with people. But who do we have an example of? Jesus. 
God came as Jesus. He came as a man in the flesh and walked the earth just like you and I do every single day. Now, think of some of the things in, in Jesus' life. Now, did Jesus sit around reading Scripture all day and that's all he did? He worked. He had a job until he went into full-time ministry. He was a carpenter. He was basically a construction worker is what that word translates to. He was a construction worker. He built things. He did things with his hands. So he was what we would today call an average Joe. He was a plumber. He was a carpenter. He was a building contractor. He was an electrician. He was just an average guy. So do you think he knew what it was like to deal with people? If you are doing that job, you're dealing with others. Agree? If you're doing that job, you're having to do something to make somebody happy. Jesus, that table you built me is awesome, but it wobbles. Now, I don't know. Were Jesus' skills as a man perfect? I guess they were. He knew what you wanted, so did Jesus ever deliver an imperfect piece of furniture? That's a hard one to answer, isn't it? That'll make, that, talk about occupying your mind all day. Now you're going to think, well, could, could Jesus make a, an imperfect piece of furniture? I don't know. But you know what? There are people in this world you could make on the piece of perfect furniture and they still wouldn't like it. Y'all that deal with customers on a regular basis, deal with the public, you know there are people that cannot be pleased, can they? Jesus, I know you gave me this, this piece of furniture. I know you didn't even charge me for it because you said I didn't like it, but I still don't like you. There are people like that in this world. There are people that just are contrary. Jesus dealt with them. Okay? Jesus has the complete picture. So one thing I struggle with a little bit, just, just honestly, is the things when Jesus saw people grieving around him. Because like Lazarus, he rose Lazarus back from the dead. If I was, you know, Jesus knew where he was. He knew Nothing bad had happened to Lazarus. He knew that he was going to be with God the Father for all eternity. Yet he saw Lazarus' loved ones weeping around him. And it affected Jesus' heart because he saw them weeping and things. It made him sad for them. He had empathy with them. Now, did he do it just because they were sad? No. This was part of showing who, God, who Jesus was, that he was indeed God walking in the flesh. But he rose, that man rose from the death. So, so Jesus was, he knew what it was like to be sad. He saw it around him. He knew what it was like to work with his hands and do things for a living. What else did Jesus do? Okay? He knew what it was like to go through with the task that God wanted you to do that you didn't really want to do. The Garden of Gethsemane. Last weekend we, we celebrated Easter. You know, Jesus even asked God the Father, if there's any other way, take this away from me and let me do it a different way. He experienced God asking him to do something that he wasn't sure that he wanted to do. Was there not some other way to do this? God asks us those things sometimes. God wants us to do something, and we can ask him. You know what? And that, to me, that is such a great picture of a healthy, loving relationship between God the Father and God the Son, is the Son knew his dad well enough to say, is there some other way we can do this? And God, what, what? Did God's response come? Did he send a lightning bolt down and strike Jesus there in the garden and say, how dare you question me? No, he didn't. He didn't. Somewhere in the calm of that night, Jesus had his question answered of, this is the path that I need to take. And we need to realize that sometimes. God is not up there waiting to smack us down when we ask him a question. If we're in a loving relationship with someone, part of that is sometimes asking a question, isn't it? You know? 
How, how can I do this? What, what can I do for you to make this situation better? You know, how, how, should I, how should I live my life? What should I do? You know, our love relationship with God the Father should impact. Well, actually, I skipped one thing here. If you love God, you will love people. If you love God, you will love people. Even when people are not nice to you. Even when they cut you off in traffic. Even when the customer gets up in your face and tells you how stupid you are, you did something wrong. In those situations, you have to know you need to love people. Now, we often say we love them, but I don't have to like them. Well, that's kind of a tough thing to do, but maybe you don't have to like the situation. There's nothing that says you have, to, you have to enjoy being berated by an angry customer. You have to enjoy somebody being angry at you. There's nothing that says that. But it does say you need to frame that in the thoughts of, God, why is this person mad at me? Did I do something wrong that I need to correct and apologize for? Maybe there's something going on in their life that I don't see. Maybe they're having a bad time at home in their relationship. Maybe they snapped at me because they're going through something with their parents. Maybe they're going through something with their spouse. You need to frame those things in the way God would think about the situation. And our love relationship with God the Father should impact our earthly relationships. The things that we see going on in the world around us should be impacted by, by God and His mindset. Now, I want to share with you just a few problems that I saw this week. Here are some problems that we saw in the news this week and some solutions, solutions for them. How many of y'all even watch the news anymore? few people do. How many of you get all your news off Facebook? Boy, I hope not. You're in trouble because you will be so misled on there. But here's some of the problems I saw this week. And this was even on the local news, even though some of them had national implications. Okay. This week, hot in Chattanooga. How do we solve the homeless problem? How do we solve that? Love God, love people. Does, people, does God want people to have to live out on the street? Okay. Does God, and it'll always be, well, those people, they don't want to work. Did Jesus, before he healed people or, or anything like that, did he ask, what's your situation? What's your, can, I, can I see your resume and see if you've tried hard enough to get a job before I feed you? When he fed the 5,000, did Jesus send out a survey amongst those people that he knew were hungry and said, okay, only you that are worthy get a loaf and a fish. You don't get any of this loaf and fish unless you've tried to get a job this week. You know, you, you know what Jesus should have said in that situation? You know, you guys knew you were coming out here and there was not a fast food drive through out here in the wilderness where I'm preaching at. You should have brought your food with you. It's your fault that you're hungry. Jesus didn't say that. If we take the attitude that God has and not try and answer all these questions and try and rebuild an entire person's life before we give them a sandwich, we would know how to take care of our homeless population. How do we solve the opioid crisis this week in the news? Opioid epidemic. We have families here that have lost loved ones to overdoses of things based on opioids. We have people that have had heroin overdoses in their family where their loved one has died from this type of addiction. How do we love those people? Do we say, you should have never started that drug habit. You should have never done it. It's your fault. You should have been a stronger person. Does that help anybody that's in the midst of an addiction? No. First of all, they need to know that God loves them. Okay? They need to know that God sees them in their struggle. They need to know there are ways out. They need to know that someone will walk beside them through their crisis. And they also need to know there is probably something deep inside they're missing in their life that they're using those opioids to cover up. It may be physical pain. It may be emotional pain. There may be things in their life that they're trying to deal with. And we as 
as Christians should come alongside them and help them deal with those problems. And not just send them to the nearest recovery program and say, well, you need to go there and get your life cleaned up. We should actually befriend them and love them and ask them what I can do for them. This is such a serious problem this week that the Surgeon General issued a notice that more people should carry Narcan on them to combat a serious overdose. Do you realize how serious that is for the Surgeon General of the United States to tell you to carry a drug around in case someone accidentally overdoses? The last time this serious of a warning came out was when they warned pregnant ladies about the dangers of smoking and drinking. That's how serious the problem is in our society. So we need to, to love God and love people in that situation. How do we solve the problem of mass shootings? How do we, how do we keep people from killing each other? You know, if you love your neighbor as yourself, do you want to kill them? Not usually. That's not the way that works. We can put all the regulations and things in, in, that we want in place. We can outlaw every firearm. We can outlaw bombs. We can, we can put locks and chains on our doors. And people are still going to hate each other if they don't have the love of God in their hearts. We need to help those people by seeing that, number one, they have value to God. Most of these people that do these things don't think God loves them. They think they've done things that God would never love them. They think that I am so far beyond what God would have me do. I've just given up on life and it doesn't matter anymore. I'm going to kill myself and everybody around me because I don't matter and they don't either. We need to help people to see that by loving God and loving people and showing them that. And finally, how do we solve the refugee problem? You've probably seen on the news this week, there's, there's massive amounts of refugees making their way through Mexico towards the United States, okay? Yes, we do need secure borders. I agree with that. We don't need just anyone coming in. But if there were a hurricane in Haiti, what would you do? Would you donate to send food to people in Haiti that have been, been devastated by a hurricane? Would you do that? Sure, it's great. We'll go help those people out. They can't help themselves. This is an awful situation. Let's drop some food. Let's parachute it in. Let's, let's, let's do whatever we can to help those. But if people are fleeing from evil regimes in South America, if they're fleeing from the cartels in Mexico and they're coming towards our border, all we say is keep your problems at home. Love God. Love people. God wants us to love those people. Now, he doesn't want to let them just come in and not and to overrule law and order. God tells us to respect authority. It's something we don't do. We need to respect authority. Those people need to respect authority. But we need to work as a people to find every way within our means to show them that God loves them. And there's, there are very good ways to do that. We could send relief stuff. We could do all kinds of things for them. But we're more worried about keeping them out and not letting them have our stuff than we are about truly helping them. God talks about strangers in your midst and how to, how, to, how to do that. So why sometimes do these things, and I know just from the reaction you can see in social media, you can see it anywhere, these questions that I've asked of how do we solve these problems, people have very different ideas about them. Some of them valid, some of them are very unchristlike. So how do we do that? We have to start reforming our views of society around us with that framing of what Jesus would do in this situation. Even if it's not maybe the best thing for me, maybe, maybe this is not what I want to do, but if Jesus says this is the best thing to do, that's what I should be doing in these situations. And I think we would begin to have a much different outlook on these situations. And we're going to go through some of this stuff as this series continues. It's going to get on a more personal, practical level. This morning was more about teaching you 
to be in that love relationship with God. And when that relationship is right, how it should influence the way you see the world around you. And I hope this morning, if somebody's here that doesn't know God, that we've, we've given the gospel this morning, the, the plain and simple gospel. And in in one of the first verses I read of how God sacrificed his son to cover our sins. That's what it's all about, guys. He, he, he died on the cross. We celebrated that last week, his resurrection from that death. And he did that to pay the, the penalty for when I don't want to be in a relationship with God and have a love relationship with him. When I don't want to do the right thing, when I willingly disobey God, Christ covered that for us. And if you don't have that knowledge in your heart today, I pray that you'll do that before we end. But uh, just ask this morning, let's, now let's pray as the band comes back for our, our final worship song. Let's just have a word of prayer together. Father, we thank you. We thank you so much for your son and the sacrifice he made, God. This is, this is a difficult lesson Lord, this morning to, to talk about how we're, how we're going to practically do this in our lives, God, how we're going to somehow make things right with you, God, how we're going to show our love to you. And God, I'm not perfect this morning. It's, it convicts me as well that I don't love you enough. How do I love you more, God? I just, just pray this morning that, that we as a people, we as a church, we as a, as a, as a community of Christ followers, We'll, we'll figure this thing out. How do we look more like Jesus in the community around us? And how we get this love relationship with you right and back on track and where it needs to be this morning, God, that we, we do things not out, of, not out of duty, not out of sacrifice, but because we love you and we want to please you, God, and we want to do the things that we know that make our relationship with you stronger, God. And I just pray that, that we'll get that relationship right with you as our Heavenly Father, God, and that that will carry out into everything we do is in, in our work and at our places we do recreation, God, in our homes, you know, anywhere that we're at, God, that your love will flow through us and others in the society will see it, God. And just pray that you'll, you'll help us to strengthen that, Lord, and to, to pay more attention to that relationship this week, God, and, and just be intentional about being in a relationship with you, Lord. And we just pray all these things in your name. Amen.